0: Hi, I'm Kate Spina. This is Toward Light, practical Buddhism for the modern world. Each week, I explore ways to apply these timeless teachings to our daily life. Hello and welcome to episode 38 of the Toward Light podcast. This episode, I'm going to be speaking about the importance of acknowledging and being with the discomforts and difficulties of life and the dangers that can come up when we don't do that. When Siddhartha Gautama woke up and became the Buddha, he went to find his friends and shared what he had learned with them. And when he set this Dharma wheel in motion, the very first teaching he began with was the first noble truth, the truth of dukkha. Dukkha is a Pali word that's been translated in a bunch of ways, suffering often being the most common. Today, I'll mostly be using the words difficulty and discomfort in place of dukkha. When scholars look at the word dukkha etymologically, they see it literally translated as bad hole. So imagine the wheel of an ox cart, and there is a hole where the axle goes through. And if that hole is bad, if that hole is not smooth, if that hole is not round, every time the wheel turns, there will be a bump. It's going to be a bumpy ride. So when we are with the truth of dukkha, we are with the truth that life is not smooth, that there will be bumps, that life is a bumpy ride. For me, when I found Theravada Buddhism, this teaching is what resonated for me first. Hearing the truth of things laid out so simply, there is dukkha, there is difficulty in life. The truths go on to talk about the cause of dukkha and the path of practice and the cessation of dukkha. But it begins with this truth, life has difficulty. Culturally, growing up in white, upper middle class America, I was swimming in the water of always look on the bright side of life, and politeness is more important than authenticity, and we don't speak of difficult things. So to be told, yes, there's hardship, and yes, it's okay, and important to talk about it, live it, see it, feel it, was such a relief for me from the sutta. Now this monks is the noble truth of dukkha. Birth is dukkha. Aging is dukkha. Death is dukkha. Sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair are dukkha. Association with what we don't want is dukkha. Separation from what we do want is dukkha. Not getting what is wanted is dukkha. So there's a lot in that, right? Birth, aging, pain, grief, death, etc. And these things just arise. It's not our fault when these things arise. This is a part of life. My friend and teacher Mary Stan Stancavage says, death is not a punishment for having lived poorly. I really appreciate that reminder that death is a part of life, that death is a form of dukkha that happens to all of us. And Well, when dukkha arises, that's not our responsibility. We are responsible for seeing what it is, and we are responsible for seeing what we do about it, how we relate to it, and what actions we take. The first step is seeing the truth of the difficulty, seeing the dukkha for what it is. From Nikaya 663, dukkha should be known. The cause by which dukkha comes into play should be known. The diversity in dukkha should be known. So, we're asked to know this truth of dukkha. We're asked to see it arising. And we're asked to see all the different types of dukkha that arise in our lives. When we are in ignorance, when we don't accept the truth of dukkha, we can't respond in a wise manner to whatever difficulty is arising. Here are a few examples. If I ignore my earache, and then I don't go get drops to treat it, I let the difficulty fester, and potentially it becomes a worse problem. If I allow myself to get sucked into the cultural ignorance of aging, and don't spend time among elders, when my body shows signs of aging, I may respond with disbelief or disgust rather than acceptance and wise practices. If I gloss over the impact of the loss of a job, I may struggle with depression or misplaced anger rather than feeling the loss fully. From the most recent PAUSE newsletter from the On Being Project, Krista Tippett writes, We are creatures made again and again by what would break us. Being with and moving through dukkha helps us build resilience and strength. Many times we hear people say that while it was tough in the moment, a difficult experience pushed them to grow in a way they didn't think was possible. So when we are experiencing illness or grief or irritation, can we be with it in service to our growth? I'm not saying this is easy. There are said to be two types of dukkha, the dukkha that leads to more dukkha or the dukkha that leads to the end of dukkha. So when I'm feeling stressed and I then eat mac and cheese, that is the dukkha that leads to more dukkha because I'm trying to stuff my emotions and eating something that doesn't agree with me. But when I feel stressed and sit with the sensations in my body and get curious about what's underneath, it's not pleasant, but it is the dukkha that leads to the end of dukkha. It is the path to freedom. In the second foundation of mindfulness, mindfulness of vedana or feeling tone, we notice as soon as we have contact with an object, whether it's a sound, a thought, a smell, we notice our immediate initial response. Is it pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral? When we are faced with things that are unpleasant, what happens next? Often we try and push the experience away somehow. But if we can stop it at this second foundation, at this vedana, this feeling tone of unpleasant, and be with it without taking the next step, it can allow us to practice what it's like to be with dukkha. An example of how this training might work. I'm practicing meditation. There's an unpleasant sound. I let it be and keep bringing my attention back to my anchor, which is my breath. I keep practicing. I don't get up and stop because of the noise. I'm training myself to be with an unpleasant sound, to be with dukkha. So the next time I'm walking down the street and I'm faced with an unhoused person, I can really look at them and be with the reality of the dukkha of homelessness and not be stuck in avoidance because I'm practicing in my meditation practice how to be with the discomfort, how to be with dukkha. One of the reasons the importance of being with discomfort has been so up for me recently is reading some of the stories of some of the participants in the capital insurrection and looking at the ways that rather than being with the dukkha in their lives and dealing with it in wholesome, constructive ways, they've chosen to blame others rather than accept the truth of change. So when economic hardship arises, or the global economy changes, which in turn changes what jobs are available in a community, or when a pandemic comes, or global warming becomes more evident, we can be with those difficulties and look at our opportunities for growth and presence, or we can fight against reality and create scapegoats and enemies so we don't have to face what's happening. So we get to choose which camp do we want to be in. Do we want to grow, even if it's difficult, or do we want to misplace our dukkha and put it onto somebody else? In his book, My Grandmother's Hands, Racialized Trauma and the Pathway to Mending Our Hearts and Bodies, Resmaa Manakem talks about how important it is for particularly white people to differentiate between discomfort and danger. Sometimes when a white person says, I don't feel safe, it's not really about safety and more about discomfort. While this is important for all of us to look at, it's especially important for white folks. When am I truly unsafe? And when is it about being uncomfortable being uncomfortable? An example, I'm walking down the street at night and a black teenager is coming toward me. Is it true danger I'm feeling in my body? Or is it discomfort because I don't have a lot of proximity with black teenagers and I've been sold cultural messaging about the danger of black bodies, so I am uncomfortable? If I can be with that discomfort and not act on it, me and that teenager can stay safe. We can walk by one another. But if I revert to that primal place of I am unsafe and get into that fear center in my brain... I run out of choices, I run out of ways to act, and I might react in ways that could actually create harm. So we see this, right? In harm that's caused to black bodies in the ways that black people are shot in the back. And so we have to be vigilant and make sure that we are really checking in, that we are really learning how to be with our discomfort so we don't morph it into not feeling safe distress tolerance is a real skill we need to build to be with life as it is, but also to be a safe and wise member of our community. I gave the example of how we can practice in our meditation practice with Vedana, with noticing when we're in contact with something, is it pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral? But what are other ways we can be with dukkha so we can see it clearly and learn to live with it? We can spend time with people who need help in some way, people whose dukkha is different from our dukkha, so we can see a broader range of the difficulties that happen in life. Or maybe we help folks who have similar dukkha. Addiction recovery groups are an example of this. When I help a person who is newer in recovery, it's reminding me about the dukkha I experienced in early recovery and help keeps my current dukkha in my life in perspective we can get into the body and notice any time we turn our head or body away from something this can be very subtle i've given the example before of like sometimes when i notice that i'm seeing roadkill i immediately turn away and then i have to kind of force myself to look back at it but even in other situations i remember being at a table once And someone sat down who reminded me of somebody that was very difficult in my life. And even though this person was a different person, I like turned my whole body in chair to exclude that person because I couldn't face them. I couldn't face the reminder of this other loss in my life. So that's a a really key thing we can look at. When are you turning your face away? When are you turning your body away? we can take care of our bodies, which can sometimes not be 100% pleasant, right? Like the pain of squats or the sourness of the medicine or the teeth cleaning at the dentist. That's a way that we can be with dukkha that leads to the end of dukkha, right? Because we're being with our bodies, we're taking care of our bodies so they can continue, so we can continue to be in the world. And When we get our teeth cleaned, like, yeah, it doesn't feel great. And it helps our teeth stay healthy and helps our gums stay healthy and helps our whole body in general. And a final example of something we can do to help build distress tolerance is I make the choice to read the news every morning. And that's difficult for me because I often don't want to face things that are happening, but I make myself see what's happening in the world. I see. I pay attention. What are ways that you can be with dukkha? What are ways that you can be dukkha in the way that it leads to the end of dukkha, not in a masochistic or harming way, but the ability to be with difficulty in a way that leads to the present moment experience? Being with difficulty because it is the truth and the truth can lead to freedom. Thank you so much for listening. The links are in our show notes. You can find me on Instagram at TowardLight108 and the website is TowardLight.net. If you have any questions or feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Be well.